What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Renegade Capes on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. Joining me, as always, is Brock to my left. And. And we've got <laughs> the streaming demon, Jacob. Beard. <laughs> we've got Josh and Crystal. <laughs> And we've got the disembodied voice of Haley. I, I can't top anybody else's intro. Just hello. hello <laughs> I couldn't tell if Josh and Crystal were going to do that or the sound of drowning. <laughs> or do I wear fake mustache? <laughs> this is only the beginning of the insanity as we're talking about uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Um, for those who haven't seen it, this review is completely spoilers, so you can watch it now in theaters or on HBO Max. Or you can do it the preferred way by some people on film Twitter, which is taking clips out of context and deciding to hate it right then and there. You know, it's up to you. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to do it like a professional. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, if so, you have any sense about you. So in this movie, the government sends most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn, and others, to the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search-and-destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. Um, so... Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you uh, start first. Your your thoughts on the film? Okay, look, I want to known from everybody right off the bat. I'm a huge James Gunn fan. I even all the way back to Scooby Doo. And when I heard that he was doing The Suicide Squad, I was fucking over the moon. And hearing that it was going to be R rated, I knew we were in for something special. And I've seen it three times at this point. I think that should let everybody know what I feel about it. I fucking love this movie. This is probably my personal favorite DCEU movie so far. And it it barely beat out Shazam. That that's that's my scale of it in so far. And in my opinion, like just getting getting some minor things out of the way, I do think there are some negatives of this movie that I do want to get into later. And we will. You know, the, the the energy and the feeling that I got while watching this movie, it's just so unabashedly fun. <laughs> Literally right down to the opening and just even the way that Gunn uses violence in the most creative way possible. Like there are some things he does here with blood and guts and gore that most people haven't even thought of or even attempted to do in a feature film. And it's so fucking cool. Cool. That's just that's just the thing. I just when I talk about this movie, I feel like a kid, and literally, I haven't gotten this movie out of my fucking head. And I know I'm being extra vulgar, but that's just because. Yeah, shut up! Like it's just <laughs> I don't know if this is my personal favorite James Gunn movie. Like it's probably still Guardians Volume Two. And you are correct in that statement. <laughs> and then probably this movie, and then the first Guardians film followed by Slither and Super at the bottom, but that's just me personally. But literally, I can't wait to watch this even more times in the future. And for the love of God, 
do not watch the 2016 version. But I will say... I wish you had told yourself that. I wish I did, too. (laughs) Now kick it over to Crystal. Well, I'll say I had pretty much no context going into this aside from watching the first Suicide Squad. Like, I didn't really know James Gunn. I wasn't a huge fan. I mean, I had watched... Josh made me watch Slither. I didn't make you watch. (laughs) I put it on and you happened to be there. And you were like, I guess I'm here now. Josh made me watch Slither. And (laughs) I had seen the Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. And Volume 2. And 1. But other than that, I wasn't really attached to James Gunn. I wasn't really attached to any of the characters that we see in the Suicide Squad. I didn't. I don't know half of the characters even existed, um, aside from Colonel Flag, Harley Quinn, and King Shark. But the only King Shark that I knew was from the animated series, which I revisited. Because it's great. <laughs> oh my god, are you, are you talking about the fucking clip? <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> a, there's a clip that we've seen shared around where uh, it's from season two where it's the episode with Mr. Freeze and the door opens and you see a silhouette it's like, and you just like mist coming up and, and he's like, just, oh my God, it's Beyonce. And then it cuts to Clayface. He's like, oh my God, it's Lady Gaga. <laughs> so that was. I rewatched that clip and I fucking die every single time I hear it. It's the best, but I definitely do like the way that they went, the, the way that they went with King Shark in this. I don't, feel like they did that character dirty in any way, even though they drastically changed him. It still works. Um, but my point was that I went into this pretty much completely blind, aside from the first Suicide Spot, which Josh made us watch, I think, a day or two before it the, the second one came out. And literally, Josh was in the, sitting in the car, and he's like, Crystal... I need to ask you something. I'm like, dear Lord, what? He's like, so you know the Suicide Suicide Squad 2 is coming out, right? Like, yeah. It's like, can we watch the first one? I no, no, no. I was for this one. That it made me want to go back and revisit the first one. Genuinely angry at Josh that he wanted to watch the first one. Was it the theatrical version or the extended cut? It was the theatrical version. There's an extended cut. It's 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 not a real extended cut. They like threw in a couple deleted scenes and called it a day. You may know it as the endurance test cut. Wow, okay. <laughs> so I I, I I got so angry and I, I was just like, I do not want to watch this. I don't want to be a part of it. I, I'll clean and do something else while you watch it, but I'm not gonna watch it. And, and he's then like, you ended up watching it. No, no, because here's the thing. We're he begged me, he this. begged me to watch it. Because I didn't want to watch it alone. He didn't want to watch it alone, and I'm like, I didn't want to watch it. And so we made the condition that he would get me Dunkin' Donuts and I'd watch it. And I did. And I regretted it. We <laughs> we hated every single moment watching that. It was god-awful. And I never want to see it again. 
just but... imagining Chrysalis Bob from Bob's Burger. Fine, but I'm going to complain the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't exactly. complaining about that. Exactly. It was fun to, to just roast the shit out of the movie. Yeah. It was. But at some points, it was just genuinely awful. Um, just, uh, I, I could go, I could go off and I'm sure every one of us could go off for, for hours on end about how awful that movie is. But I went with Josh and a whole bunch of our friends, uh, like ridiculous amount of of our friends to go watch the second, uh, one. And I was smiling through the whole damn thing smiling, laughing my ass off and loving Cleo, loving her. And yeah, I mean, it was just on every level better than the first one. Night and day. Literally. 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 Yes. But that's, that's about it for me. You got it all out of your system? Pretty much. <laughs> Jake, you want to go next? Well, okay. First of all, do you guys want to hear how Movie Bob described um, the original Suicide Squad movie? Oh, God, what did he say? He said, it's the radio edit of a Kid Rock cover of an Iggy Pop track. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's the movie adaptation... Fair. It's, it's the movie adaptation of an obnoxious... Um, a um, mullet sprouting 10 year old shouting world star on top of the Chuck E. Cheese ball pit on Snapchat. But I would want to watch that though. That sounds it, fun. It, it, it's Breaking Bad branded rock candy. A vaping pen shaped like a crack pipe hawked on QVC by Flava Flav. Wow. It's a it's a gentrified neighborhood, still trying to look straight by putting a boondocks mural next to the Panera bread. Good Oh my god. That is way more thought than I think anybody deserves to give the original theatrical cut. I think that's more thought yeah. than we did. It's yeah, it's fucking awful. There's really nothing I can say about the original suicide the original suicide squad. Okay. It's bad. It wastes perfectly good performances and Jared Leto. It, wow. it, it, it tries so hard to be like, it's like it plays off what a 13 year old with conservative Trump supporting parents, what that kid thinks is a really edgy and hardcore superhero movie. It never goes as far as it should. It's, it, it, it's just scenes happening with no rhyme or reason at all. The Joker adds jack shit to anything that's happening. Um, it's the most... It plays out in the most discombobulated way imaginable. Um, yeah, it's atrociously written. It's atrociously acted. It looks awful. The Suicide Squad, it, it's what that movie failed miserably at being. Okay. It's, it's, um, it's fun. It's actually... It's brutal. It's fun the most fun way possible. It's... It's a constant surprise after constant surprise. It's it's the most I think it implies the most visual storytelling out of um Gunn's superhero movies. It no 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 there's is cinematic uh, comic book universe movies more accurately because I haven't seen Super. Um 
it's a good time, man. It's just it elated me. It really did. Um, Haley, do you want to go next? Do, do, do I? Do we want me to go next? Oh my god! Uh, I hated this movie. Uh, this is the worst movie I have seen in years. I loathe this on a level that I did not think would be possible going into it. Now, I don't remember how I felt about Suicide Squad, except that I didn't like it. And it was a waste of my money. I did not revisit it before this, which is probably for the better, because I I am going very, very, very against the grain. I'm <laughs> telling Cam that I'm only the second person I know who did not enjoy this movie, and the only person I know who thoroughly disenjoyed it on this level. Um, I don't want to just sit here eviscerating it because y'all had a really good time with it. And I, whatever it was that didn't work for me just didn't work so thoroughly that it made me mad. I found it unfunny. I found it cacophonous. I found it poorly written. I did not like any of these people. I know I'm not supposed to, but their attempts to make me like them piss me off. Um, I should say right now that I'm not uh, on camera to uh, protect my identity or anything. <laughs> I, I just, I genuinely don't feel well and don't look great right now. But yeah, I was angry that I watched that. And I'm the only person I know who feels this way. It's, it's our Green Knight review part two. <laughs> okay, but I would go see the Green Knight again because I at least thought that was visually stimulating. I never want to see this again. Look, Haley, I want to you... pretend that this did not happen to me and I want to walk away from it. If, if it makes you feel better, you're not the only one, at least in my circle, who didn't enjoy the movie. So at least mm -hmm. take comfort in that. Uh, that's good to know because... I was, the trailer for this didn't do a whole lot for me, but I was like, oh, you know, it's getting good reviews, whatever. I think, I think it was 15 minutes in that I texted my boyfriend and went, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Because he's the other person I know who didn't like this movie. And he was like, I know, right? And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and 45 minutes in, I just started screaming in caps locks. I know we'll get more into like actual stuff with the movie, so I don't want to just keep saying I hated it, I hated it, I hated it. But yeah, um, good. Good thing we had at least one dissenting opinion to round out the discussion. Um, Brock, before before I get to you, I'll I'll just say um, since I've probably only I've probably the only one here who's other than Haley who's only seen it once, but when I saw it. I had a grand old time. <laughs> um, yeah, pre pretty much every everything that that Josh said about it, about like how you know how just off the walls James Gunn was allowed allowed to be with the material, you know, not holding anything back, just pre pretty much delivering everything that he wanted, t taking as as many like obscure DC characters. Um, and just showing showing no mercy. I don't I don't know if it's my favorite James Gunn film yet. It's it's like 
it's I'm torn between this and Guardians Volume Two. Yeah. But yeah, that's but that's how much I really really enjoyed this one. Brock, your general thoughts? Uh, I uh, I was screaming in my theater at how much I love this movie. I had multiple moments where I thought I was having a fever dream that I was actually able to see a, a R-rated movie that was using the fact that it was R-rated to make an R-rated movie outside of to show some tits ass and a couple of swear words in it. I loved it. And I just... James Gunn knows character work better than most directors, in my opinion, and he showed it here. This is my... I pretty much have about the same exact ranking of guns films as josh mentioned um it's gonna be very 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 hard for james to make a movie that i like more than guardians of the galaxy volume 2 for very personal reasons outside of i just think it's a very well put together film but james understood that it was like this is suicide squad this is not meant to be hey let's get all the people everybody knows and let's Roll them on in for marketing. No, I'm going to have a couple of people you do from the first one, and then you ain't going to know jack all about anybody else. Fucking Calendar Man is in this movie for 20 seconds. I played by his brother. My, played by his brother. I lost my shit when Calendar Man showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Calendar Man insulting Polka Dot Man. You cannot have a more least popular pair of DC Comics heroes insulting each other in history in movie period. Just like, oh, that was one of the most James Gunn scenes I've ever seen in my life. But I, yeah, I, everyone was perfectly casted in my opinion. I, it was the, and I loved the way it was written. I didn't think I'd get emotional story beats out of a character called Ratcatcher 2. Just going to throw that out there. But I did. I really liked it. I really, really liked it. Like I said, I saw it once on Thursday. I saw it again on Friday. Me and Mike were going to review it, so I was going to see a 1 o'clock showing before we did it, but I accidentally fell asleep and took a nap and then slept too much and would have had it a third time in before I review. I highly recommend it to everyone. So since since you brought up James Gunn's affinity for characters, why don't we start there? Um, I, th I think we all kind of have the same two or three, like, top tier favorite characters. Um, the one, the ones that I would, my top three are Ratcatcher 2, because, um, what was her name? Uh, Daniela um, Melacor. Melacor. She, she just stole my heart. Like the sec, the <laughs> second we meet her, like in her, in her cage or, or in her prison cell, I, I knew I was going to look, I was going to like this character. Mm -hmm. I straight um, up fell in love with her character. Like, it doesn't help that she's literally my sister in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> yep, it's a gender bend of my roommate. It's 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 crazy. <laughs> like my, my sister is even she, she's obsessed with rats. She's had rats. Like she, like she actually keeps them for pets. Or... She keeps them for pets. Yeah. Wow. Nice. And, and just the the attitude and just sleeping constantly. My God, Catherine, if you ever watch this, wake up, go to school, Jesus Christ. Um, but and as far as I know, my family, my mom, my brother, my sister haven't watched it, but they'll know as soon as they watch it. That's that's my sister, Catherine. Nice. Um, and... My number my number two is um, 
King Shark, Nanawe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and number three, and this is not counting Harley, by the way, despite how great she is in, in this movie, mm -hmm. number three is, um, is Bloodsport. I think it, Idris Elba was the perfect choice to play, well, essentially the leader, because that's what he always ends up playing. Mm -hmm. Either the leader or the villain. Yep. And in this movie, he's technically both. I mean, the reason he's he's in prison was because he put Superman in the ICU, and he's the only one who's who's ever done that. Which which he did well, not I don't remember put him in the ICU, but he did put him in the ICU in the way he did appear in comics for the first time. It was with a needle, not a bullet, but still, yeah. Um, Brock, your your top three. Oh. You you can you can include Harley if you want. I oh. just I just didn't because it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. Well, King Shark is 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 like on Mount Olympus of like my favorite of DC interpretations of anything ever. I I it has ruined me for if I see a bird outside of my house or anywhere, I cannot help myself. <laughs> bird, it gets, it's it's ingrained into my head. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> um, and then, um, Ratcatcher and uh, Bloodsport are tied at two, and then the first ever Charlton character to appear in a live action big budget DC movie, which. I'm so freaking happy finally happened. Peacemaker. Jo like, John Cena talked about how he prepared for this. Like, he was going to read um, Peacemaker comics, and James Gunn told him not to. Told him point blank, don't do it. He's like, and then he brought in what he, how he thought he was going to act, and then he did it a certain way, and then James was like, no, do it this way. And then I was reading comments underneath the article where he was admitting this. He's like, James went out of his way to read comics and then told John not to because he ended up acting exactly how the DC version of Peacemaker is and didn't want John to have a different version of what he wanted. I was like, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. But yeah, I freaking it's I can't get over how well casted that whole movie was. But yeah, it's technically cheating. It's those for the tops, but it's just like for a real, for a small, for two small honorable mentions, I love Flula Borg with all my body and soul. That dude is hilarious. Go watch some of his YouTube work if you don't know much about him. So I'm so happy he made it in the movie for the five minutes that he was there. Same. <laughs> and, I, I, I'm a huge Flula Borg fan. And um, two, my roommate couldn't comprehend what was happening when TDK's arms popped off. Oh my God. he went into a different form of reality and i was howling laughing when nathan dillian is on the ground screaming yes. pain when they're shooting his arms and not him by the by the way for those who don't know in the comics this character's name is uh arm fall off boy yes tdk your name it stands for my name your name is lettuce all names are lettuce dickhead <laughs> Yeah, that was it, man. Oh. It was so good. Uh, Haley, I do have to ask: were were there were there any characters that you did enjoy in the movie? So I I agree. I think John Cena did the most with what was there. I think uh, 
Peacemaker was probably the best realized of all of those characters besides Harley, but you know, she's had like three or four movies at this point to be realized and Margot Robbie is a national treasure. But uh, yeah. John Cena is, uh, was of the new ones, probably my favorite in terms of, I, he was the character where I was like, I feel like this person is three dimensional. I understand their motivations without having a whole lot of them explained. And I, I think that his character got across better the anti-imperialist themes than the actual anti-imperialist plot of the, uh, of the third act. Um, also really weirdly enjoyed Pete Davidson in this. I don't like him in anything normally. And I thought he was very well used and honestly wish he had been one of the main characters. I would have enjoyed that more. But uh, I think part of my problem with this, one of the big problems I have with this movie is that the characters don't really feel lived into me. There's a lot of exposition dumps about tragic pasts that just kind of, I couldn't figure out if I was supposed to sympathize with, with these exposition dumps or if they were supposed to be like kind of funny sometimes because the movie didn't really know what it wanted to be tonally either, um, I don't think. But like on the surface, these are solid ideas for characters. I also don't know 90% of these characters. I'm just gonna admit that. So I don't have the, the joy of like a, oh, that's my favorite alien chick on the helicopter bringing it down. I'm like, I don't know who this person is, which I don't know if the movie was hoping you would recognize them or not, but it kind of seemed like it for some of these people. Like I knew who Calendar Man was, but that's because I obsessively read Batman for 15 years. But um, yeah, I feel real weird right now because it's like everyone gets real excited and then I come in and I'm like, Debbie down in here like, wah, wah. Now you know how I felt during the Mortal Kombat review. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't watch that and I, I would have probably been with you on that one too. Um, but the, uh, yeah, in terms of characters, like, I'm interested to see what they do with a John Cena peacekeeper show. I hope it's along the lines of Judge Dredd because he was the best Judge Dredd who has not been Judge Dredd. Supposedly, um, it's, there was a comment that it's going to be a lot quieter than what the movie was. That was a big thing that James said. Like, he, he says that it's going to be, he compared it to Better Call Saul at one yeah. point. Hmm. What? <laughs> interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. In that vein, sort of like how it focuses on a smaller character, but also like kind of expands the world around them. And he says that it's going to be quieter, but also it's going to have as like action, like almost as much as, as any show, any superhero show has ever tried, which with the way he does action, I'm really excited for it. But just the little things that he sprinkled in here and there about Peacemaker and that he's kind of his answer to like a post-Trump world, like like that kind of radicalization and how Peacemaker is kind of like that taken to the extreme. Like I saw little hints of that. And I see what you mean, Haley, because 
I didn't expect to love Peacemaker, mm-hmm. but yeah, like personally speaking, I did. I did love all the characters, but I get what you mean about Peacemaker feeling the most complex mm-hmm. because of everybody. He had probably the most going on morally speaking. Mm-hmm. He had the most plot definitely in the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I will agree. Like that, that, this is probably John Cena's best performance he's ever done. Like oh yeah. Holy shit! And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a better it's a better dramatic performance than yeah. whatever the hell he was doing in Fast Nine. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know yeah. He could do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really loved him in Blockers, which is a completely different movie that not enough people have seen. Frankly, you should go see that. I, I, I love funny. Blockers. That's such a good movie. I think he does better work in Blockers, but I think that might be because I just enjoyed Blockers more. This is he was. He was the thing that kept me into this movie when I was like, I could just turn this off and no one would know. Yeah. John John Cena has a credit to me, in my opinion, to be a, re- a better wrestler turned actor than The Rock by a country mile if he's given a chance to do some different roles. Because yeah. John has shown in little itty bitty parts in every movie that he's been in that he can do other things. Just hasn't gotten mm-hmm. a chance to show it a lot yet. Spe- sure. Speaking speaking of actors, well, actors or wrestlers turned actors, this is the second time that James Gunn has like pretty much molded a former wrestler, like to give a very specific performance. Because remember, before before Guardians of the Galaxy, Dave Batista was you know he he's been in a couple of films before that, and he even admit, admitted like, yeah, you know what, I'm not really the I'm not really the strongest actor. But then after Guardians hit, that's that's when like that that's when his talent like like increased exponentially, and now he's working with like all the top directors. He's openly admitted he took more acting classes and went studied more after he was with Gunn. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I think I think G- I think Gina. Why did I almost say what the <laughs> John Cena? Gina. <laughs> Movies destroyed my brain. Uh, John Cena, I think, has more uh, innate talent to him, I think, than someone like Batista, where he's like Batista's great, but Cena has a magnetism mm-hmm. that really draws you in, and it works really well for this character, especially because this character is doing downright awful, shitty crap the entire movie. Like, I know the whole thing is like this is Suicide Squad; they're supposed to be evil, but. When one of your evil characters is a poor uwu rat creature, you're like, um, it's it, like that. That doesn't really hold a whole lot of water. But the fact that he's likable while being the most consistently despicable across the whole damn thing is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're talking like that, that whole that that whole scene where where, where Peacemaker and Bloodsport are kind of competing for mm-hmm. like who can do the most kills for me. That's just, I, I just found it hilarious just in how visual it was like that. You don't even pick up that they're making this competition until halfway through yep. and they're just silent the whole time. And just Peacemaker's just so effortless with his kills. And it's there, like at least compared to Bloodsport, you notice that Peacemaker's taking out more innocence than, then Bloodsport, like down to the the woman just doing the laundry for the for the campers and everything. For that dude who's sleeping, that he chops sueys with the axe as he's walking by. That little fucking thing. <laughs> like, 
Except for when you're what when what you're showing off is dope as fuck. Fuck. Fuck, that's true. <laughs> but like when you get those little moments of like him, like like you see like what he could be like as a normal dude at the bar scene where they're all dancing and uh and just when he includes the rat in, in the drinks too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He the fact that he just can't fit into civilian clothing either. <laughs> I oh my god, you're right. I, I do want to <laughs> say like my personal favorite characters, um, aside from Peacemaker, because I think I said my piece, uh, but like, um, oh, we're gonna bump. I'll I'll be honest. I really loved Bloodsport solely because he wasn't just a palette swap of Will Smith. I look. I saw a lot of people say Bloodsport is just Deadshot, but just replaced with another guy, mm-hmm. which for me kind of reads a lot of like weird ways in that people read that character. And if all you see is just a palette swap of another famous black actor, I just I feel a little uncomfortable with how you see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to necessarily say the R word, but I also don't not yeah. want to because. Yeah. Just in the beginning, like just how they set up that Bloodsport is literally a piece of shit to his daughter, mm-hmm. like didn't even want to be in, around her, and that whole scene where they're just yelling at each other in the in the fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> and Idris Elba just completely gives himself to the insanity of James Gunn, and I just. I don't know. It just feels like very well earned, in my opinion, near the end when just considering his whole character arc about, you know, learning to like learning to love and find purpose in people, which I think is a broader theme in the movie. But I'll get to that later. Um, I want to say that I loved Rick Flagg also. And it just goes. We were talking about this before, but my God, Joel Kinnaman's been wasted before, like, his recent string with... I hear he's got a show now that he's really good in. For All of Mankind, I think it's called. Yep. I, it's, on, it's on Apple+. Plus. Which, th- this movie made me want to check him out, because Joel Kinnaman, with the right script and the right direction, he's fucking charismatic as hell, and just the very end of the movie where they're, where they're at Project Starfish, the whole scene that he has with John Cena... I was absolutely floored. And that moment, the thing that solidified me where I need to work with this act with this guy in the future. It was right when he gets on top of Peacemaker and starts choking him out with the pipe. And it cuts to that close-up. And you can tell like it's perfectly lit, where you can see just his eyes like a little bit, but everything else around him is dark. I said to myself when I first saw it, like, Fuck, I need to cast him in something. I need to get famous so I can work with him. <laughs> yeah. And um, the other character that I really, really love. I-, I mean, personally speaking, I just wish he had a lot more to do. But Captain Boomerang. <laughs> it, it It is very unfortunate that he was only in it for what five minutes at most maybe and i I was thinking the whole time because james gunn went on record saying that the john ostrander books 
were his inspiration. I actually read all of his first uh, run, like all of his first uh, story arc of uh, of his Suicide Squad run, which is Trial by Fire. And Captain Boomerang's a fucking piece of shit in that story. He, so I figured, you know what? He he's attached to to the John Ostrander things. Captain Boomerang's gonna make it out of here, and then that happens. And I was just thinking, oh shit. Well, look, okay, a lot of the old guard from Suicide Squad, the ones that aren't from the first movie that are here, look, he's he's got to keep them alive, you know? Like, that, that would just be, like, insane. And then Rick Flag bites, and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a chance Harley might not make it. But we all know that yeah. DC is not going to let him kill Harley. I was going to yeah. say, they got to sell action figures in Barbie dolls. Yeah. Barbie. Come on. They got to make more movies with her. Well, that's the weird thing, though. They could kill her, and they still could make movies because they don't have a consistent timeline in any that's of those true. movies. Personally speaking, I view this movie as taking place during Justice League. Wait, hmm. so like, I I know it's never outright said, just because you know they want to make sure that like everybody's like a, you know, it's all in the same universe, but it's kind of in the same way that I think. Birds of Prey took place like during Justice League when Bruce was looking for for Arthur Curry because there is no way Batman would let all that shit fly in Gotham. Which, did that? I might be completely insane and remembering things completely wrong, but didn't like they didn't they say that Batman kills her? In no, in, in 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 Zack Snyder's Justice League, yeah. they, I think they implied that. Uh... Holy fuck! I don't remember. Does in the end credit scene, there was. Um... Hold on, I know what you're talking. There's a conversation between Batman and the Joker. This this, this is in the in the night the nightmare future. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she begs him to kill begs her begs him to kill her. Yeah, because I think Harley dies in the future, fucking fridging her. Look, I, I I love. I'm so glad I didn't see this fucking movie. Again, we're we're <laughs> we're we're going off the basis that yet again DC does not believe in a cohesive timeline for any movies. Yeah, like so. Don't like it, and also the fact that it says Snyder on it, you can wholesale believe that the rest of their movies don't involve it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which let's get this out of the way real, real quick. I know it's not right out of the way, but I mean we're this far in. I think I can speak for all of us when I say we're always here to support artists' visions being out there for the public. It's honestly a miracle that James Gunn got to do the movie the way he wanted to. And for better, for worse, he, he, we got to see his vision and out of respect for David Ayer as an artist, his stuff isn't personally my cup of tea. You guys may recall if you haven't, you may recall that me and Crystal went into a lengthy rant about the tax Our collector. scathing review of the tax, tax collector. But regardless I would still want David Ayer's vision to be out there. Now, whether or not it'll happen, who's to say? That said, personally speaking, I don't think it would be a better, it would be a good movie, but it would be a cohesive movie. 
Just yes. like how this one, for better or worse, is James Gunn's vision, I think that one, for better or worse, would be David Ayer's vision. Yeah, I, I'm at the point right now where I'm not like actively campaigning for it anymore, partially because the fandom has exploded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if if it does come to pass, I will check it out. I'm yeah. I just I'm just not actively campaigning for it for reasons. I, I want people to, to actually be able to do their projects, but I've gotten to the point of where I almost break out in hives if I hear the word cut now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gotten to the point well past lunacy to where everyone's like, yeah, well, the studio didn't quite let me do my thing, so I should get my version. Like, let's, let's not do that anymore, please. A lot of people online just genuinely do not understand how filmmaking works. And I'm not about to say that I know how it works on like a level as big as these blockbusters, but compromise is literally a part of the creative process. You're rarely going to get everything 100% in your head. You're lucky to get 90% of it from your head. But I think... In my opinion, when you have a fan base that has devolved to such absolutely insane lengths, I think there's only so much that you can do when it just turns into absolute hypocrisy at best and downright deplorable actions at worst. Mm -hmm. I've seen what that very toxic side of the fandom can do with personal friends. Yep. And... I, I was very fortunate to be on the right side of it when some big personality on Twitter just kind of totally shit the bed on themselves. Um, I'll say this just so that way I can get the brunt of it. Fuck you, Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> you guys I... are safe, but fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> just, just, oh, oh. I honestly don't really follow a whole lot of this stuff. You don't need to. But Trust me. Yeah. You're, you're, you're much better I, off. Yeah. I know. But my, my, my prevailing opinion is I don't remember liking the first one. I hated this one. I don't need a second version of something I already didn't like. That's generally how I come down on all of these things. Yeah. And the worst part is, going to be honest, there's a lot of times where if we're going to go on the other side of the fence that Marvel movies got a good grip on how their movies are made at all times, but their movies still get made. So you don't hear people bitching about them as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the thing. Um, there's a famous sports quote. Um, I forget who said it, but it's like the, the, the quote is winning cures everything. Mm -hmm. When, when, when the movies are good and well-received, you don't hear a peep from, from the peanut gallery. Yeah. But, let's, yeah. Just, let's just say that some people, I'm not going to say this whole community because I don't know much about any of this. Let's just say that some people in this community are so warped in the head that they are willing to gaslight Josh into saying that he's white. I saw that. Um, <laughs> And it, we won't, we it, won't get into it here, no. but like, it was, 
infuriating. And it was in an attempt to, to, to build up that person that I just said, fuck you to. Got it. But, okay. Um, but, 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 but moving on to... Back, um, to the, back to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, I'm going to interject. I'm going to jump in here real quick um, to talk about this film that I didn't enjoy, clearly. Um, but what did you all think of the, the third act? Because I'm seeing the same criticism of the third act multiple places. And ironically, it's one of the few criticisms of the film I don't share that why isn't somebody else taking care of the giant fucking starfish? And I'm just like, well, they didn't know that was there. My issue with the third act is I cannot fathom a world where blackmailed prison labor sent into another country to die would be shocked about the U.S. government doing bad things abroad. Which is what the entire third act hinges on. Hmm. And, and oh shit, she left. Um, <laughs> well, personally speaking, I really loved the third act. Mm-hmm. Like for me, the third act was like, in my opinion, very well earned with the the insanity of it. I thought she was about to say like. Everybody thinks that the third act is childish, which nothing about this movie is is, is childish. But like, as far I'm as so the, sorry, I dropped off entirely and definitely didn't mean to. That was extremely dramatic. No, it's okay. But like, for me, I think what what makes it work is that it's in Rick Flag. If it was any other character, like like Radcatcher, was just completely lost to the whole thing. And if it was Peacemaker, I mean, Peacemaker, of course, was the one there to keep the peace and make sure that, like, hey, you know, there, there's even more shit that you guys are, that it's above your pay grade to, to know, and that's why I'm here to wipe it out. If it was Bloodsport or anybody else, I think they would be like, hold on, are we really shocked about this? Mm-hmm. And what sells it is just Joel Kinnaman's yep. just visceral reaction. I, I was telling everybody right now, Haley, I thought your criticism was going to be that the third act, like, people treat it like it's a kid's movie. Mm. Mm. Because I, I I think it's perfectly well-earned. And people were like, why doesn't, uh, why didn't uh, Bloodsport just aim for the eye? Yeah, you, that, you, did it, you did it about 12 times and it didn't hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that's the kind of stuff that I usually don't, like, sit there going, oh, man, why didn't, why didn't they just fly the birds to Mordor? It's like, okay, like at some point there's just no story if you do that. But like, like there's some level of, of disbelief and also just realism in most people thinking the giant eye monster probably isn't going to die if you just shoot it in the eye. Like yeah. at some point you just got to live with it. It mm-hmm. was, I get what you're saying about like as a character moment, it worked for you. But I just couldn't, that was the point, like, the movie had lost me already, but that was the point where it really lost me, because I was like, these people have bombs implanted in the back of their heads. These people are on a suicide squad. They're bar- they are literally being blackmailed with less prison time to go in to this island nation on behalf of the U.S. government to destabilize it. Like, if they haven't put the pieces together, that's what they're doing. So, it just didn't 
it rings hollow to me that that there would be so much fighting over this hard drive box thing. And also it brought up a lot of weird questions about like what Peacemaker was even was even Peacemaker Peacekeeper was even doing there. I was like, well, you were so the first he, time. Oh, I was okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um as we've all learned, I'm bad with names, places, staying onto the stream, cameras. Um, but, and I think, I think part of that for me, why it didn't work was because I really didn't feel attached to these characters in any way. The movie tried, it just didn't work for me. So I didn't really get anything from uh, the Colonel being like, oh, this is, I can't believe the US would do something like this. Cause I'm like, I don't know you. Like, I don't remember the first movie. Maybe he had more character development there, but I literally all you have done is kind of hang out in a jungle place uh, and get the rebels on your side. As far as what I've seen, I don't know your, I don't know your story. I don't know your face. I don't know anything about you. Okay. And that's what I felt about a lot of the characters in this movie. I'm like, why am I supposed to care about your backstory when I don't know a damn thing about you? So th that actually brings me to one of the few complaints that I do have with the movie in general, and that's the freedom fighters. In, in my opinion, everything that you said, Haley, mm -hmm. I feel totally applies to Alice Braga's character, Sol Soria, mm -hmm. because I felt like she was a character that was completely wasted. And I feel like I would have been more attached to her if she was actually directly involved with everything in the third act. Like if she was there at Jotunheim and everything. Because as it was, everything with her and the Freedom Fighters did feel like it was meant to be like background stuff that just happened to make its way in the forefront. Mm -hmm. Like... Mm -hmm. Like, like, personally speaking, I, I just imagine what it would have been like if, uh, but then again, you also lose the, the fucking great Milton moment, but, you know, imagining if uh, if she was there with them planting the bombs while her troopers went to go, you know, take back the capital, like, it just, that's my personal thing that, like, some of the characters didn't feel as elaborated, and I think that also goes into Gaius Greaves, the thinker. Oh. Because, like, I mentioned this in my review on the for the site, but, well, I don't think I mentioned him in particular, but for a character called The Thinker, I never really got the impression that he was that smart, which I think is kind of the point. Mm -hmm. But, like, I, I wish, like, there could have been, like, little things where, like, because the squad didn't know how Jotunheim worked, and he did, like, he was the one that set off, like, the alarms for the... For, for the the people to be there like like the guards there to like stop them or something like that but that being said I, I will admit it's a nice surprise to see Alice Braga again because I haven't seen her since predators and on top of that I can tell that Peter Capaldi is just delightfully hamming it up as a piece of shit but I will admit like just to play devil's advocate I do think that there are some some negatives with the movie and i definitely will corroborate that just like i had a big problem with the relationship between harley and porto maltese mm, you you brought this up and it, i added it in my review uh that it makes no sense well 
not that it doesn't make any sense. I can kind of understand why Corta Maltese would like her. Like they, they would kind of be her, their idol. But they don't establish it like at all. Aside yeah. from just the dude saying that we like you here. Like they, they, I, I felt like there could have been like a scene where well, just the scene where she's driving in, they're dressing her up all pretty. And there's like a procession of like waiters and matrices. I don't know, whatever. Um, and you see like like citizens. Like if like there kids. was like a whole procession for her, like a parade, and like you see like this little girl dressed in a jester hat, where it shows that the town loves her because of the, her whole anti anti American whatever. And I think it could have even been like a really perfect meta moment for the character of Harley Quinn that like. The whole like her arc in the in all these movies is just moving on from her attachment to the Joker, and th this would be like a really cool meta moment for her to like see like the effect that she has on the world, like just her, like away from the Joker, and also like she's more than just. Him. And it could have been like a perfect commentary on like how the Harley Quinn character has exploded. But then, then again, that's also commenting on what we wish the movie could be and not what we got. But at the same time, it does feel like a bit of a wasted opportunity. Oh, yeah. yeah. But even then, oh, go ahead. even then, like I said, like I still have, have a lot of fun with it. And multiple times watching it, I don't, I don't feel the problem weighs that strongly. It's worth it just for like, in my opinion, her writing in that scene, that whole sequence where the colonel romances her, just the the shot where they're in the birdcage and they both glide to each other. Yeah. I, I still laugh every time I watch that. But like I said, I'm trying to be fair because I love this movie so much. C can you tell like I'm struggling to like, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I just sound like a, like a repeating record. And I'm sorry. It's, for it, it's all right. I, I I usually get that way too. When like I love a movie so much, but I have I have to like I have to pick at like those you know those those little uh, dents in the in the armor. And honestly, that's why I feel bad because it's like I feel bad saying these things. It makes me feel like I'm trying to convince you guys that this movie sucks. Like I'm not. Y'all love it. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's just it didn't work for me clearly on any of the same levels but i'm sitting here like oh how did i feel about the characters hmm. you know it's it's hard <laughs> but no I, we totally get it yeah. and i hope yeah. you understand like it's actually really cool hearing your take on it because it's not just like the whole well it's a five out of ten fucking it like bring me the a or cut or it's not just like uh, this movie's made for babies you know, give me something more it tangible. Like, no. Like I mean, I you're giving really good reasons, and I I understand where you're coming from. Thank you. I and I will say, I think if I found this movie funny, it would have papered over a lot of that. And I don't know why I didn't find this movie funny. I just didn't on a catastrophic level. Well, Haley, let me let me, let me ask you: um, Is um. Is, is, is this the first time you've seen a James Gunn movie that you, like, just clearly did not enjoy? Like, what you, would you think of um, the Guardians films, for example? The first Guardians film 
is in my top three Marvel movies. I think it's one of my favorites. It was when I saw that, it was just like that thing blew my mind. And the reason I went to see that was the soundtrack for that movie because I heard the trailer started with the with the can't, uh, hooked on a feeling, and I was like, I'm this. I literally only knew this from my dad's vinyl. You know, like who is using this? And <laughs> Guardians Two, um, I think, has a lot of good in it. But I think it, it there were parts of it that were that didn't work for me because they felt very casually cruel. Like hmm. I, what sticks with me about that movie is that scene where Baby Groot is being tortured, and it made me really uncomfortable for some reason. Um, but I've never had like this strong of a negative opinion about a gun film. So I knew what I was getting into, and I just, I really think. I really think it breaks down to that, the tone of it. Cause I think the tone, it carries in from the script and it kind of permeates and need everything, but the tone felt very all over the place to me. Um, like I wasn't sure, like I didn't find it funny, but there were things I was clearly supposed to laugh at, excuse me. But then there were moments that were played almost exactly the same, and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to, if it was funny, if I was supposed to be taking it seriously, if this was like character development. Um, I think like the opening sequence, all the people are dying, it's chaotic. Ah, Pete Davidson's face flew off, and I'm like, okay, I get what this is going for. But then there's like a weird dramatic scare chord in the middle of it, and then we all, and then suddenly everyone's death is being taken seriously for like 15 seconds and then it goes straight back into murder mayhem party time and i was just like what just happened and the rest of the movie kind of carries that weird incongruence for me where it's like am i supposed to laugh at the polka dot guy's backstory am i supposed to get set by it am i supposed to be grossed out by it because later i'm supposed to be grossed out by it but maybe laugh at it but maybe, maybe this is all very serious rumination on Oedipal uh, leanings. But it was, it, that was, and I think that's why the movie gave me a headache because I was spending way too much time trying to figure that out. But it, it carried through everything. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very difficult tonal tightrope that I, I I totally get where you're coming from that it will not work for some people. Yeah, like not not a lot of directors can really pull off that like that particular balance of different tones. I think mm -hmm. one one of the only directors I know that can pull it off like masterfully is uh like Bong Sam Ho and Sam Raimi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would have loved a Bong Joon-ho version of this. Oh, that, <laughs> that, that would have been fun. Not the uh, least because uh, we would have been, we would have had BTS members playing the the initial Suicide Squad. That would have been really pretty <laughs> fun. Um, but yeah, it's like I know Gunn is capable of doing something like this. I've seen him make really great things. I don't know why this. It, well, I know why. I just don't want to keep saying it, but it. Yeah. Like I said, this is this is fair, and you're 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 helping me look at the movie in a more critical way because, like, I'll admit, if we if we just completely came in here, it's just like fuck yeah, 
like for for a solid hour and a half i imagine that could get really grating because it's like all right look we know you love them like we know we all love the movie but at the same time like i, I also get like all these criticisms because it's so like it's very important to look at art this critically and especially when it's a full creator's like in like insane vision brought to life like i said you know we get the full brunt of it good and bad i mean this is for all intents and purposes james gunn's death stranding huh and that's do we have like a counter for the for our podcast like for all the times i've brought up death stranding it, it'll be about as long as um brock and i's uh count for how many times oh, Gurnlock was mentioned. Or Dear when, God. Or, or when Kiona would bring up Final Fantasy VII Remake. We all have that one thing. Mm-hmm. Crystal, it's Tool. It's Tool. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to... I want to share something with you guys real quick. And Brock, I feel like you're going to kill me for this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. So... Like I said, I've seen this movie three times. I think I mentioned it earlier, if not before we recorded them earlier, like in the recording. But every time I watch this movie, I notice something new. Okay. When I first saw the movie, it was for a midnight screening at my work. Okay. We got to see it before anybody else, before it even dropped on HBO Max. So I was lucky. And to prepare myself, I drank a fuckload of coffee, and I'm sitting there in the theater. I'm loving it, but I'm also overwhelmed because I'm very sleepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay. Sugar it up. Just say. You're laughing. You're you're making fun of me because you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, when Cleo talks about her backstory in the bus. And you see the first rat catcher played by Taika Waititi, which yep. I want to add, it's actually really nice to see Taika play a role, even just briefly, that isn't just a wink and a nod. Mm-hmm. I did really what he, Which is what that. he almost was, because originally he was one of the people that dies on the beach. Really? I thought he would probably be Polka Dot Man. James, James Gunn brought up that he didn't say who he was, but James Gunn brought up originally he was one of the characters that dies on the beach. Shit. <laughs> Javelin, no. Anyway, go on. But like, yeah, this is almost on par with his role in Boy. But um, you know, I you see him in the in the reflection, and call it me just being like starting to like come down from the high. But there was a point where I kind of spaced out looking at him, and I was just focusing on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were spaced out and. It wasn't until the second viewing when he when I saw it with my friends, I literally thought to myself, "Oh, oh, he was doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he died." <laughs> no, 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 I saw him the, because when I saw him eventually with the, with, the, with the needle, I don't know why I didn't pick up on it, but I thought he was giving himself a tattoo because I saw that his was on him. And then when they showed him dead, I thought, like, oh, like I'm listening to her. Oh, he had a heart attack. And the second time he killed it, 
<laughs> and the second time I saw it, I noticed like, holy, it, it's he's shooting up heroin. And then I see the, the needle still in his arm as Cleo, little kid Cleo is like going, Papa, Papa. I'm like, oh, it's an overdose. Oh, I'm an idiot. He's just self-vaccinated himself under the bridge. It's okay. <laughs> it, it's okay. It was an extremely subtle scene. <laughs> I, oh I, my god, that I, made me laugh harder today. Like, why do you need a tourniquet to put on a tattoo? I didn't notice the tourniquet. Man, <laughs> 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 he just tattooed himself to death. <laughs> also, the fact that the tattoo gun stayed in his forearm. <laughs> <laughs> the first time around, I didn't even notice the fucking needle still stuck on his arm. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay. Do you want me to make you feel better? I will make you feel better. This is my most embarrassing movie like thing ever. Now, Oscar nominated 50 First Dates. Oh no. I didn't know what the I didn't fully get what the title meant until about the 10th time that I saw it. <laughs> no. no, I understand. I understand that, that makes you feel any bit better. <laughs> I just went, woof, and then someone went like, yeah, can you imagine having that many first dates? And I went, I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So that's my that's funny though. That that's is my funny. embarrassing misread of the fucking movie. And I swear to God, everyone I've talked to is like, oh my god, how could you misread that so bad? <laughs> that is fantastic. My friend Kat on Twitter that I always beef with, she was literally like, You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Was talking about celebrities fucking bathing. Yeah, I literally said, like, I barely picked up the second time that Cleo's dad was doing drugs. She's like, he had an injection. I said, I thought he was giving himself a tattoo the first time around, but he had a heart attack. She just said, get out. He had a heart attack while giving himself a tattoo? That is his body was like, oh shit, we're done now. <laughs> I can't live on knowing how I got this sweet cat, bro. <laughs> I ain't shit go that far. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so, so like <laughs> That's that okay. should have been how the movie actually went. That I <laughs> That's so Okay, okay, so so getting back to the to the fucking movie. Oh my god. That. Right, to, to, to transition, we'll we'll just talk about um, okay, Taika so, again because oh. even though he was only on screen for <gasps> what five oh. minutes, uh, I'd say ten max if you count the scenes with him talking and other stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the the re the reason he was able to do this was because um, at the time he was supposed to be directing um, Akira for Warner Brothers, but then they were like, "Nah, we're good." So like. So, so he called up James. He's like, hey, I'm available. Let's uh, do something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. For, wasn't it because Warner Brothers didn't want Japanese actors? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Which is kind of dumb. Because it's not kind of really, dumb. Like, all really dumb. Oh, it's, it's, it's like, it's all the dumb. Yeah. 
Like That's if true. you want an American Akira, just call it like Bob. All right, so I have to I have to ask. Josh, <laughs> American for, Akira for, exists for and notice. it's a lawnmower, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was everyone. Stop the track. We're not getting a better line than fucking lawnmower man being brought up in this podcast. Reset the fucking clock. Anyway, Brock, you were saying. It's gone off the rails. Gosh, did you notice the first time around that Pom Clementoff was the red haired girl in the bar? Okay, so I did notice, like, because yeah, 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 she about that. she caught my eye. Like, I was like, "Oh, she is stunning. Why does she look familiar? Why is it eating me up?" And it wasn't until the second time I watched it, like, "Oh, fuck, it's Palm." Yeah, yeah. Who else is in that scene? Lloyd Kaufman. Who else? Oh, Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, okay, nice. But I really like yeah. seeing Palm. I think she's great. That was yeah, really fun. I, I like I, I just like seeing Paul because I think she's one of the most attractive women on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But she is just there's few more people that I ever see that never look like they're in a bad mood, no matter how they're pictured or anything than Palm. She always seems like the happiest individual on the planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. Just, she's just uh, awesome. But no, yeah. Ugh. I, I want to ask you guys ugh. because it's <clears throat> been a it's been a point of contention. What did you guys think of Harley in this? I thought oh, she was I, th- I, th- I thought she was good. I can't say if she was better um, here than in Birds of Prey because that was that was a movie where she was the focus. but um, she she has a lot of great moments in this, including when she's in that like in that dungeon or prison, yes. whatever um. Like that that whole that whole like escape when she was like doing the acrobatics, that was all done in one take. Yeah. Oh wow. Woo! And the key thing, James Gunn was on, uh, I wanna say it was Jimmy Kimmel. And he that is the scene that pissed him off the most in that movie, because they were going to get a stunt double to do it. And then Margot Robbie, who is a quite dexterous individual, was like, No, I could do it. And she did that on her first try. And James Gunn is talking about biting his tongue while he's record while they're filming it because she's doing it one try and nailed it. And the entire time when she gets up, that fucking puff gets in the way of her face, so it makes it look like a stunt double did it. He's like, "I wanted to go in and clip that fucking thing off with a scissors so bad." He's like, no one's gonna believe she did it, but she did. <laughs> I would have never believed it, but or just the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. the scene after that when. <laughs> They're all gonna like bust her out, <laughs> like, and then she just walks out the front door. Like, <laughs> he's like, "Well, that's patronizing." It was a really, it was a really good plan too. <laughs> My favorite thing about that scene is it's shot really weird because it's shot in a way that what happened in Harley's um, hallway scene happened completely a hundred percent for real in a weird way. Because she has all the flower explosions and everything happen in the hallway. But then she gets out to the cab when we're back in real life land and the flowers are still in that hallway. Yeah. I yeah. noticed that too. It's like, oh, that's a, a weird editing choice, but okay. 
I uh, I really like Carly in this. I wish she hadn't been separated from the main group so much. I think it would have helped a lot with the uh, with nailing down the tone because I think the the one thing I did laugh at at this movie was when she was like, "And if you have personalized license plates, you will die," and all this <laughs> stupid ass shit. And I was like, "This is exactly what I wanted in this movie." I am um, walking forwards and backwards. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is the original Suicide Squad because the Joker had personalized license plates. (laughs) 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 I just Margot Robbie understood the assignment A plus. I think that the scene she was written into, like when you look at the movie as a whole, you're like, yeah, this probably could have been cut, but. I don't really want to because they were the things that I thought had the m- most interesting stuff going on. Like like her whole monologue about when she's shooting the guy and it starts out like, ah, oh, I'm crazy, whatever. And then it devolves into, you know, I have really bad taste in people. And I've noticed that when you start seeing red flags, you've got to do something about it. And it actually, that was the closest I got to being like, oh, wow, like this is pretty impressive. Um, the one thing that did bother me about her was that she had, she was bloodied up, but it was like a beautiful, artful blood splatter or smear like down the side of her mouth. And I was like, oh, come on. She'd been tortured for like six hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> she always looked too beautiful considering that she hadn't bathed <laughs> in like five days and was basically slapped into a dress straight out of a pit. I was like, Jesus Christ, movie. Like, I will say... Personally speaking, I think this is Margot's best performance overall as Harley. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, like, for me, the first time around, I think it's also just due to just David Ayer's aesthetic and what I think he wanted to do versus what the studio ended up doing. But um, I do not like her in, in the first Suicide Squad movie. In fact, I consider that, like, one of the biggest character assassinations since um turning galactus into the cloud Hmm. like just everything about it just doesn't feel right and then you get to birds of prey which i think is a step in the right direction and i think personally speaking she's written a little bit better in that i feel like it's a marathon in the right direction yeah Uh but like a fucking suicide squad i think at this point she's already like all right I know what works. I know what doesn't in this. She doesn't have a lot of time, but I know how to do it one-to-one now. And this is the point where I think she's completely owned the character. Because there were bits in in Birds of Prey where I thought, she kind of slipped there a little. But then again, when you have the whole movie focus on you, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually you're going to slip up here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like... um... I, I, I was going to compare just briefly Birds of Prey to um, the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie in that you're taking the kind of comedic side character and building a movie around them. Mm-hmm. I think Birds of Prey is a much better movie, but... I was about to say, like, yeah. I've never heard anybody compare Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides to anything <laughs> and have it be a positive. <laughs> the pure gear halt that I saw in Josh's Facebook. <laughs> Boy, what the fuck are you talking about? I, I, I ask this because a lot of people have some very interesting takes on Harley in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Aww. people thought, like, 
people read that she was in st she had Stockholm syndrome. No. Mm. Stockholm I, syndrome, you wouldn't have shot the person the second you realized he was going to torture kids. Also, there wasn't, I, this is coming from my perspective, there's not enough plot in this movie to determine, like, why she did half of the stuff she did in that house. It's not like Beauty and the Beast, where she's there for 45 minutes, and we get, like, a montage of, like, five years going on. Yeah. She's there for a day. I would have loved that, though, just a montage, implying that that whole montage took, like, a week. That would have been great. Yeah. Making their way through the jungle. <laughs> and it's honestly, I in in all seriousness, it's really dangerous for people to say that oh she had Stockholm syndrome or oh she was R word because then it, it takes credibility away from actual, you know, people who have suffered from that. And in my that opinion, is. it's like take a step back. That is not what this was at all. I no, hated this movie, and I would even say that's an extreme stretch. And, and considering what Harley's known backstory is, you're going to compare this and say this is Stockholm Syndrome to her to actual Stockholm Joker. Syndrome. Like, are you for real? <laughs> like, literally the first movie, she was, everything in that first movie, Harley was groomed. So, like, yeah. to say that this is the more problematic one where she's in full control and agency of herself, it's it's like, are you, are you, do you have a starfish on your face? Are, are you, what the, uh, that's code name for a, that's code name for a butthole. If there's any connection, like, this, <laughs> sorry to bring it to a screeching halt, but just, I, I say that because I love Harley in this, yeah, uh -huh. and. Holy crap. It, even though she's only been in three movies, Margot feels like she's been Harley for years. Oh, yeah. Like mm -hmm. in like yes. 12 movies. Yeah. Yeah. She's got it really down. Like she's she's a delight. I already said she's a national treasure. She's a national treasure. Did you guys have a telegraphed the second that ja a, I knew Javelin was going to die because they showed Harley with a, with a Javelin in the freaking trailers. But B, that she was going to stab Starro in the eye the second that she had that spear in her hand. Oh, it's it's it's, to time. it's totally telegraphed. <laughs> like the whole yeah. I, uh, <laughs> didn't they show a shot in the trailer of her like... No, they didn't. They, they, they show did. her inside it afterwards, but they don't show her stabbing it itself. They do show a quick shot of the rat swimming when she's inside of it, but they don't yes. show where she is. Like, uh, for me, like, I, I genuinely thought what they were going to do... I thought what James Gunn was going to do, like, in some way, like, it would be totally him to have all the absolutely stupid characters make it out, but all the ones that could be construed as a bit of a badass would fucking die. So people like Bloodsport and, uh, you know, Rick Flag and all those more militaristic types of characters, they would have fucking bitten the dust. But you have characters like Javelin and Polka Dot Man and weasel like they would have made it out like unscathed i thought that would have been brilliant but what we got i'm i'm personally happy with what we got i have a question i told mike this and i think he genuinely agreed with me out of at least in the dcu and i think all together in the dc movies is this possibly the worst death think about what actually happens of a dc villain ever 
Like, think about how Starro dies. It no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd say it's pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty brutal. Eaten from I the can't... inside out by 3,000 rats. And then having that's your eyeball there. fill with blood. Like, that yeah. that got me. Like, the rest, that's up there. the rest, that's gross. But that's been kind of happening. The eyeball blood, I was just like, ugh. Oh, I was just like, that, in, like, in fact, I'm just like, I was cringing. I'm like, that is so gross. Because the whole brunt of what's actually happening to Star in my head, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, I just think about how, in my opinion, Starro was completely justified in going off. Mm-hmm. Like, just taking into account seeing the movie multiple times i pick up i picked up the line when they when they when all of um, starro's subjects all of green's subjects are talking to right when Redcatcher and uh flag flag are walking in and they're just the like uh, is it you greaves have you brought more um you know more people please save us he's experimented on us tortured us had his way with us mm-hmm. and then it cuts to the thinker going like He's here to kill you. Sorry, bud. <laughs> but just like the fact that he has a reaction shot after that last bit, it's like this poor starfish. Like, I, I, okay, I disagree with Josh on this point. I'm not sure if you guys got the same impression, but he thinks that 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 the thinker had his way with Starro. What do you That's, mean? That was my understanding I, of it. I, 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 I don't want alone. to think about that. Like, I, you don't want to think about that, but that adds, like, a whole nother layer of scumfuckery to Gaius Greaves, especially when you consider they talk about the Nazi connection with Jotunheim in general. I'm looking at Brock. Okay, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pick up the Nazi connection because I was just like, oh, my God, I would like to watch Thor now. <laughs> But now I'm like, oh, that's 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 moderately clever. Oh, so good work, Star- movie. Immediately after being taken advantage of and just poked and prodded for decades by this fucking like perverted piece of shit, ripping him <laughs> by after- British Rick Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! Would you put it that way? Except <laughs> Which I will, I, I have to go off for a second. I really, really, really did not like this version of The Thinker. I love his casting. I think he's a really, really good actor for The Thinker. But the way they use him is just garbage. Because my only ex- exposure to The Thinker is from the Flash series. The CW series. series. And he is so cool. In 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 the CW series, I'm, and I'm seeing Brock just turn into the equivalent of that GIF with the woman with the math equations going on. <laughs> I'm in a higher plane of reality right now. I, no, I. The the problem is, and I think I kind of talked about this with Mike. Is I don't think he would have got the thinker in a DC movie if he didn't show up in this movie. Yeah, I. I think I agree with that. I think you got the thinker in the flash for as much as you got out of them because they finally went do something other than a fucking speedster. How do you, how do you top running fast? 
thinking fast. Thinking fast. I got a really cool. <laughs> I got a big but it's it's just like going from that where he's like constantly two thousand steps ahead ahead of Barry at all times because I don't even think of I finished that that season. No, we did. We did. Yeah, he got to the whole thing where he was jumping bodies like he was. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But like, that, just, that's when I fell off from that character. Same, yeah. same here. But like, still, I mean, the, the his whole buildup is really, really good from what I remember. It has been a long, long time, but still, jumping from this guy who cannot be bit be beat because he's so smart to he big brain energy to literally just be like, I fucked a star. <laughs> To, to be to be fair, he is a guy that's smart enough to genetically work on a, 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 a alien starfish for several decades, not get caught, do all this stuff. He is smart. The problem with a movie versus a TV show is we get roughly 20 hours with one character yeah. and 20 minutes with the other. But at the same time, he's also dumb enough to let a whole bunch of dumbasses strong arm him and oh, completely I, I, take tear apart I, like he says 30 years the, of but i well, think I, the, the brilliance I, of that is that as smart as he is he's brought down by the one weakness anybody has they're johnson but that yeah. doesn't even play a, it, it's barely but also okay crystal i'm gonna put it this way if all of a sudden the thinker was doing something and then let's be re real here randomly Arrow came across them in a bar and went, I don't care about the legal system. Get your fucking ass over here. The flash show falls apart. It's a point where you got to deal with six people versus one that. Yeah, and especially when they talk him when he when he makes a th thing like, oh, you think I'm going to go with you? It's like, well, if you don't, I got a great white out in the back that's looking for some chum. Yeah, it yeah. it. it, it, it it's like Barry wasn't going to shoot him. That's what makes the Flash show go on for a while. That's the difference. Bloodsport would have just shot him. Okay, I, I kind of see that. I Like dismantling <laughs> that kind of character. Like, ha ha ha, I've been five steps ahead of you the whole time. It's like, like I do get what you're saying. He did get a lot more opportunity to actually show his prowess in the Flash TV show versus this. Yeah. That is very, very I, true. Yeah, and just coming from someone who knows nothing about the Flash TV show, I would have appreciated a little more uh development of how that guy was so intelligent because a lot of what we get is textual like i've been here for 30 years with this alien starfish that i've been assaulting apparently it's so, not it doesn't really sell you a whole lot on him being a great thinker the the most subtle thing that they i think they did to show his intelligence though was when everybody's talking in spanish mm -hmm. and then the thinker interjects in english just in the fact that he was still able to understand them, even He's though bilingual. Big whoop. Who cares? <laughs> that's like ninety percent of the no, population. I mean, in that's but I still mean, like, if for nothing else, my personal headcanon is that he's so smart. He's in another dimension where he can read the subtitles in the movie. <laughs> so as he's reading along with all of them, like that's when he comes in. An excellent idea, Presidente. Can, can I see your version of the movie where Taika Waititi dies via terrible tattoo? And to be fair, Crystal, you still can see that version of the thinker, considering they are two different versions of the thinker. They're even different people. I, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. That is true. This one's Gaius Grieve. That one was I, Clifford DeVoe, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. It. Oh my god. And uh, I will say one thing that I liked about how they ended it is that it was like, dude, I was just happy looking at stars and y'all ripped me into a spaceship. Yeah. I this is one of the ones where I was like, the villains got a good point here. Yeah. Y'all did some dirt. Mm-hmm. So are we to believe that in this in this universe, Starro is, well, for lack of a better term, innocent? No. No. But I Not innocent, say, but well-reasoned. He was justified going off as soon as he got out of the hole in the ground. It was just like, you guys fucked me up. Yeah. I just see humans. I, you guys fucked me up. I'm going to go fuck you up. Yeah. And I, I asked what. Is- go ahead. Oh, as I say, I kind of viewed Starro as like a kaiju kind of character, which he's definitely he's definitely framed like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking about him so much as like he's thinking this. I was thinking of more like a caged animal who's been beaten down for many years and you let them out and they're like just mad, mad, mad. And from that perspective, I was like, yeah, okay, do you, Starro. That's cool. It's like when you think of the T-Rex in the lost world. I never thought I'd compare the Suicide Squad to the Lost World. But if you think about it, that's a T-Rex separated from its family. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it's let loose after being, after just chasing a meal and then kidnapped, as soon as it's let loose, it's just like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. You separated me from my family. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. The Lost World is secretly a drama. But is it a Western? <laughs> If you I look mean, at it in the right coloring. Uh, 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 yes. <laughs> so I asked Mike this during our review. What did you guys think of the Suicide Squad ragtag of random, mostly C&D level villains, their adversary being the thing that brought the Justice League together for the first time in comics? I thought that was perfect. <laughs> I wish I knew more about this side of DC it's Comics. Because in the, in the Star was the yeah. Star was a was the big thing that it took the entire Justice League to take down. Yep, their first I love big the enemy was Star. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I kind of love that. Yeah, like like for the Avengers, it was just a it was just a guy in green tights. It was just like ooh, but for this one, it's like it's a fucking starfish. We need Superman. We need the Green Lantern. Get get Lasso Lady. Lasso Lady. <laughs> Lasso Lady versus Starfish tonight on WWE SmackDown. <laughs> no holds barred. Hell in a cell. I love how it progressed like into that insanity though, because for for me at least. The, fir- the other problem that I did have with the movie the first time around was the pacing with the, the title cards. Oh my god, yeah. Like, I loved the title cards just because, you know, Blizzard Brain. So <laughs> seeing seeing Michael Rooker's head explode into the Warner Brothers Pictures Presents logo, I was just saying, okay. So that's that's pretty creative, how, yeah. they, how they did that. And just seeing that go on throughout the movie, like, at least initially... When I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is fucking cool. But then after a while, I was like, okay, but we're now we're halting the momentum of the story. I, I, I would really like to get back to, like, the momentum. And it wasn't until, like, they get to Project Starfish where I felt like, okay, you didn't need a title card there. 
the eight minutes earlier, I feel like we would have gotten the point if we didn't have that. But then multiple times watching it, sorry, multiple times watching it, I've heard people talk about how it feels like like the introduction to different issues and like a multi-comic, a multi-issue, like limited series. Yeah. So yeah. I described my experience watching this as like a six issue uh, trade paperback come to life. And mm-hmm. with that, like I, I appreciated the pacing a little bit better. And that problem went away for me as time goes on. But I do think the non-linearity at some points does bring the movie down just a smidgen. But at the same time, I wouldn't know how you would improve that. Like for yeah. me, I love it, but like I, I also understand it is a bit of a limitation in the story. But I do love how the story progresses with the threat, where you just think, oh, it's just an invasion. Oh, it's just taking down the government. Oh, it's taking down secrets. To oh, it's taking down a fucking alien. Mm-hmm. Like the stakes always got risen as the movie went on, and I really appreciated that type of progression with the with the story in that respect and when it gets down to that whole third act i think it's probably one of the best third acts of all the dc movies and i say this as someone that loves wonder woman 84 and the fact that the third act isn't even a big fight with with gal gadot and uh, pedro pascal like if you're gonna do like a big creature destroying the city like most other superhero movies at least be weird with it you know what this reminded me of um just in terms of like the weirdness doom patrol yes like i i, I was thinking about this er- like earlier if if there wasn't already like a doom patrol series on hbo max james gunn would have totally oh, done yeah. a doom a doom patrol movie right right yeah. Oh yeah. like i could see james gunn having fun with robot man and mm-hmm. brain mm-hmm. But like no, yeah, that that kind of weirdness, literally, like seeing seeing Starro and then and then having a, a Bloodsport be like, you see that right there? It's your mom. And then it cuts to the giant her. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking in my mind, this reminds me so much of the giant rat and the giant cockroach, or the yeah. staring eye contest. Yeah. Question. And I didn't realize this until someone brought it up. Do you think secretly in the back of James's brain that he gave um, Bloodshot his own Captain America in the first Avengers moment when he's giving out the assignments? No, probably. I think, I think that was intentional. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that, I was just thing. like, the Hulk smash is essentially, bad guy is nom nom, nom nom. <laughs> <laughs> And take the I, high I, ground. That's your mom. And I, I gotta give credit to James Gunn and the, the director of photography, Henry Braham, who shot Guardians Volume Two, aka one of the most stunning looking comic book movies ever. Easily. Because this movie looks amazing, I think. Yeah. And at the same time, it's so chaotic that like in my opinion, the camera work should fall apart. But it doesn't in a weird way. Like the way he makes, in, in my opinion, like I've seen a lot of directors come really close too to doing moments in action or even like in in like cutting and everything, make it feel like you're reading panels on a comic page. 
Like you have your Zack Snyder's, you have everybody else try to do that. And for the most part, they succeed. But this movie came probably the damn closest to making splash pages feel real. Are you talking about the scene in, in the rain where everyone is like walking in slow motion? There's that, the shot where, you know, Killer Shark or King Shark, he rips the guy in half when the stars are coming out of Starro's armpit and it slow-mos for a little bit. But like, just even then, like how he ma- how he makes every cut feel like you're reading different panels. And it has probably my favorite most absolutely batshit insane shot in the whole movie and that's saying something where and if you've seen this you know what i'm talking about but if you haven't so it's like a dutch angle where an office building is starting to come down it's flooded and harley quinn and polka dot man are clinging to stuff while Harley is ripping off colorful jellyfish from King Shark as the building's starting to go down. It's a blink and you'll miss it shot, but when I saw it, I just started giggling the whole time because I was thinking, we're at this point in comic book movies where we can have something so fucking outrageous, and yet it feels absolutely natural. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you could never see any movie in the 80s trying to pull this off. The only one that comes close is probably Dick Tracy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and, technicals on this are absolutely superb. I don't... I yeah. I want to say something positive about this movie now. The technicals are stunning. Like, I think that we kind of talked about the shot of Harley in the hallway and all the flowers are coming after her and oh, kind yeah. of the weird reality bending going on there. But yeah. the Harley with the guns and the flowers coming out behind her is like the closest I've ever seen to like a shoujo panel in an American movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, that was, that was your live action grimy revolutionary girl Utena moment. Like that was spectacular. This, this movie looks really, really good. And I, and- I do agree that it's the closest that an American film has come to really embodying a, uh, a comic book style presentation. And I'm absolutely excited that Henry Braham is shooting Andy Muschietti's The Flash. Ooh. Nice. I can't wait to see what it looks like now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And even the editing, like, I, I love the fact that I, if, if this movie was co-edited by Fred Raskin, who's done tarantino's recent movies from django onwards and in my opinion i think he's a better fit with james gunn because you you always get the feeling that tarantino's in the back like no no no, let let that shot go on a little longer no 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 no, no. like like, cut cut right here no 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 no. like this has to have like a proper rhythm versus james gunn is always like dude just cut it however you think works yeah like like even down to like how he know like how they know how to edit to the beat of music without meaning to, and then that brings me to the music. Just the score. Mm-hmm. This is by John Murphy, which I find interesting because it was going to be originally composed by Tyler Bates, but I don't know what happened there. But mid production, they replaced him with John Murphy, who did Twenty Eight Days Later and Sunshine. Oh. Mm. And the, the, thing I appreciated, the thing I appreciated about this score is that it's not your standard 
superhero fanfare. Like I, I listened to the Stephen Price soundtrack from from the 2016 one to compare like how they you do like a guerrilla street level kind of thing like this. And that one is so bland. Like it just feels like it could go with any superhero. But this one has like kind of, I, I say it in my review, it's like a garage punk band being given the opportunity of a lifetime with a limitless budget. Just down to the electric guitar, just kind of twang to it. And my personal favorite musical piece, it plays twice in the movie. It's when after they pull, they get crashed off the side of the road and Radcatcher comes out and then it pushes in right as the drums go off. And it has probably one of my favorite shots also where... You know, like it pushes in and the drums start kicking up and then the horns kick in where Bloodsport, Rick, Flag, and Peacemaker walk out. And it's that cool wide shot where they walk out with the guns and it feels like it's straight out of an Arnold movie. Mm-hmm. And that also plays like when they decide to turn back and go fight Starro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite musical part, and I told Mike this, and I got like chills listening to it, was that scene where... Um, King Shark walks up and goes in the aquarium and you hear that weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it, just kind of, like, wavy as he's looking through, watching all the animal, the, like, piranha-esque things forming in there. And he's going through, just like, this is a random throwaway scene and it's got my favorite musical bit in the entire movie. (laughs) I, like, this should not be this good. Like, just the regular score, the songs that were chosen, I was really scared. Because I was, like, well, I was I'm like internally in the back of my head. One thing that pissed me off in the Suicide Squad originally was just that they just threw music in. And then I'm like, James, you're really good at picking music. Please don't let this be the one time where for some reason you have a lapse of judgment. And then when the music started and Folsom Prison Blues was playing, I'm just like, you know what? We're going to be OK. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's when you knew that like this is James Gunn's specialty. He and him and like Richard Linklater are kind of. Yeah. They they're great at like knowing when to drop these uh these needle drops. Yeah, but I did have a joke with my roommate where they're fighting Starro, you know, the starfish, and then I turned to my roommate and I went, "They're not going to play Limp Biscuit, and that's a missed opportunity." <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, no, it's all right. I do want to point out the the Folsom Prison. Uh, song because i think the most impressive feat of like music and sound in this movie was the fact that the ball that michael rooker was bouncing up and down was on beat the entire time like that was crazy to me i think like i I, go ahead sorry Sorry. go go ahead oh no, no no that was just it i was really impressed by the fact that the editing managed to have that ball bounce sound beat on the beat of Folsom prison blues in the background the entire time I was going to say, like, I think James Gunn does that, like, intentionally, like, when they're shooting, he has the music play in the background, so that way everybody feels the music. I know there's, Mm. like, a a featurette on on HBO Max, which is really good. It's called, uh, what's it called? What the fuck was it called? Mm. It wasn't Guns A-Blazin', because Mm -hmm. I I wrote that. Fuck you, HBO Max. (laughs) But The Way of the Gun. The Way of the Gun. Mm, and uh, interesting. 
they show like that shot where like everybody's walking down with the American flag in the background and they have the score playing and you see on the monitors, like the singles of like captain boomerang and TDK and everything. They're walking in normal speed, but at the same time you hear the music in the blood in the background and you can see like, as they're walking, James is like, all right, play it. And as they're playing, as they're walking, they just start turning with a smile, like, yeah. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cause I thought that was an editing thing and I was like, whoa. Well. Like yeah. it, it's something like to do with the editing, like even with the sound design, like when it cuts to the white and Savant's like throwing the ball and then like Yeah, I highly yeah. doubt that they actually did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, that's all I, I do believe that was editing. But if like with that stuff, it's always really impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, overall, this movie sucks because Captain Boomerang didn't make it, so I'm giving it a 2 out of 10. <laughs> what a reversal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to admit, I like when they had this big cast and like 90% of them were killed in that opening scene, I'm like, are they going to end media res this and we're at the jail for 40 minutes? And then, nope, <laughs> nope, we're just going forward. We only go back to the jail for like five minutes. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, I, I felt so bad, too, because I, I did keep my eye on Pete Davidson because I remember I showed my nephews the trailers and they were just like, wait, there's another one. And then my my middle youngest, his name's Logan, he sees Pete Davidson as black art. He's like, Pete Davidson! I love Pete Davidson! Oh, I'm gonna what? see this. Oh dear. So then I'm keeping an eye out. And the second like his face just fucking pops, mm -hmm. I was just thinking, oh, oh, he's oh, gonna no. this, but he's also gonna love this. And I swear <laughs> to God. I'm going to say this here on the website. I almost wrote when I was talking about individual performances, I almost wrote that Pete Davidson's the one to look out for that. He gives a truly mind blowing performance. <laughs> It'll I see what you did there. <laughs> I thought he was great. <laughs> Personally ashamed that you didn't <laughs> you spoil anything. How but... would that spoil it? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they didn't. Blow, he would say if he, it'll melt your face or blow your face off, or like he, mm -hmm. this, he wasn't technically a exactly. <laughs> now, if he would have said Michael Rooker <laughs> gave a mind blowing performance, that would be. <laughs> yeah. Now, one one thing I want to say before anything, um, I personally thought that Viola Davis was way better here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a large part of that is that literally I would have hated this movie from the outset if all the movie was was Amanda Waller's fault again. Yeah. Be because uh, Haley, you haven't seen the original one. So It's been years is more like, what it's like. I don't literally, remember. Literally it's all her fault. And she's just like, "Look, we need to have a suicide squad." Why? Because this happened. But when you think about it, it's like, wait, that's your fucking fault. And she's just like, well, I told you something like this would happen. That's why it's a good thing that we have these people, right? Yeah. Schrodinger but, suicide squad. 
But that's that's David Ayer's one. This one, I just love how much of a callous bitch Amanda Waller is. Yeah, this is the first time it felt like she was Amanda Waller, and she wasn't just Viola Davis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad they didn't make her have a change of heart at the end when they were all turning around. I'm like, if she hesitates to press that button, I'm going to be really pissed off. Just and then she was going off. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, and then all of a sudden, no, they have one of her workers crack her in the head. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> That's the other thing we haven't brought up yet. The, the, the workers at Argus, I think, were probably some of my favorite um, side characters. And I don't, I don't know if, if everyone here has seen Cabin in the Woods, but their introduction when they're like making the Deadpool, um, oh, yeah. placing, placing bets, that's, that is totally the, uh, like the, like the workers uh, yeah. behind the camera. Yeah. I, I liked the Cabin in the Woods vibe of that and kind of wanted the movie to lean into something more like that, but like more of the, the, like having the Waller side and the actual mission be a little more intertwined than just Waller kind of yelling at them over an intercom, you know? Right. And even then it gives way to some of my favorite moments just through that. Like every time I see Weasel die, die, just the reactions from Viola Davis, Steve Aggie and Jennifer Holland just holding on those silences and then just seeing Jennifer Holland's face, just like it fucking kills me every time. And seeing that with an audience, it never fails to get a laugh that. And the very first thing that you hear from weasel, which up until that point, everybody's just like, okay, we're strapped in. These are villains. Okay. And then suddenly here, throws everybody the fuck off uh-huh. in the yeah. best way. But literally when she's yelling at them and she's just like, turn the fuck around you motherfuckers this is your last fucking warning I just I got chills every time because I'm thinking oh, Viola Davis came to play. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the interviews where James Gunn was talking about I was afraid to give her notes after a take because she was so like electric, like I would have killed to be a fly on the wall just seeing Viola's anger in those sentences because you only hear it. But I would have loved to have seen that. Same. Yep. Yeah. And Mike has mentioned that he'd like to see a TV show of just Argus when they send the people out. <laughs> yep. Oh, that would be cool. If the, the last thing, I guess, like, I don't know if we're. Are we running a little late with this? Uh, it, it, it feels like we're winding down. The, the one thing that I really love that people are hoping for, because James Gunn, like Warner Brothers is always like, already like, look, even though it's not doing well because of a pandemic and everything else, you know, we got critical praise. James Gunn's coming back. He's going to, he's going to do more projects with us. We know it. I almost don't want him to return to another Suicide Squad movie because I think it would be absolutely brilliant if the Suicide Squad was just like the DC Universe's version of Mission Impossible where you get a different director and they do their own take. You know, for David Ayer, at least his attempt, 
before the studio mangled it, and even his version, I'm not sure. It was like gritty urban warfare. And for James Gunn, it was an intergalactic, like full-on 70s war movie. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a different director take on the Suicide Squad sequel. What would you guys think? I have thought about this. It will never happen. But one of my favorite movies of all time, and I have said this many times, is Snatch. I would die if top of his game Guy Ritchie got to do a Suicide Squad film. Oh, that would be really good. I want it. I would totally fuck with that. I want it. <laughs> like I said, I have the Sergeant Rock script, so. Speaking, speaking of speaking of Mission Impossible, um, I I don't know if like the bridge has been burnt between these two, but I would love if Christopher McQuarrie came in and and did a take on the Suicide Squad. I could see Especially that working. If Tom Cruise like showed up to break every bone in his body again to do stunts for it. <laughs> oh yeah, no that that that's like priority number one. Yeah, yeah, he's got to lead the Suicide Squad on this one. He he has to know what has to happen. Is he's going to put in his contract that he has to actually die on film? <laughs> I I get slightly concerned for Tom Cruise sometimes doing all of this. It seems it seems it seems to be going too far. But then I go see a Mission Impossible movie and I'm like, damn, he still got it. Yeah. Like, I think Tom Cruise, since Rick Flag is dead, he would be a perfect like Sergeant Rock in that sense. Yeah. Or yeah, like a like a. Like an updated Sergeant Rock. Because I'll admit, when I remember when the when they were announcing the cast and Sylvester Stallone's name came in, I remember thinking, who the fuck did they get Sylvester Stallone to play? Well, you know, it would make sense because Gunn loves like the, the war aesthetic if they got him to play Sergeant Rock. I mean, it's the only thing that, that makes sense. And then I see the trailer. Oh, he's killer shark. He's King Shark. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But like, this, this is my pitch, guys. Suicide Squad, the threequel. Call it a Suicide Squad or something like that. I don't know. The first movie was Gritty Urban Warfare. The second one was a 70s war movie with aliens. This one and Warner Brothers, my DMs are open. I may not approve of your practices, but I do approve of writing. So this one, make it a heist film. I like where you're going. With stuff like, you know, Ocean's Eleven and, you know, Heat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You have Amanda Waller trying to do deals and like trying to uncover stuff in the black market. And she assembles a squad to pick up like a set of kryptonite or something like that. And it's this big thing almost like a like like this big underground thing almost like the hotel or like the world of john wick where like you need to get you need to know like the right shit to get in and she assembles like d-list characters that manage to like get in there and you know manage to make their ways into to these like seedy parts where it's like high society almost and it's just this thing about trying to out thieve the other thieves because you know that like everybody that shows up at like this this like auction or something like that they're also planning their own thing to steal everything you have harley quinn as like the fucking you know the wild card but also you know the 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 person inside because of her prestige with the joker 
you have Condiment King, who can get into the kitchen. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. No, but it would work. It would work. Shut the fuck up. And then you have Livewire, who, you know, she, she handles fucking electronics and shit. This I motherfucker is pulling out Condiment King. But yeah, come on, at some point we have to include him in this. I'm almost surprised that he wasn't in like Bell Reeve. Hey, as long as we include Snowflame as a drug dealer, I'll be okay. And you know what? <laughs> Let's include Poison Ivy too. Fuck yes. Could do that. In my opinion, that's the only way to move forward with Harley at this point. Yeah, yeah. you have you have you have no other options. <laughs> who would play Poison Ivy? You want to know who I kind of want, but it wouldn't happen. <laughs> and now her name just escaped me, Jessica Chastain. I yeah, that's that, yeah, that's that's the popular choice. Or a younger Julianne Moore. <laughs> me. I would really like if if we want to go exotic, or or like if we want to go like a little bit out there, because DC's starting to like really branch out with their big characters like Leslie Gordon, like Leslie Gordon playing Batgirl. Like I would, I would, or Leslie Grace, I think is her name. Yep. I think, in my opinion, if you want to go out there in that sense, I would love to see Anna de Armas. Play. Oh, yeah. oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I know she's not super known out here, but the Korean singer Sunmi would be an excellent choice for Poison Ivy as well. If we were going, how, how, a do, little you, more. how do you spell that? Isn't she S U N M I? S U. Isn't she starting to break into film? She's been doing some acting in Korea itself, but not much. She's more focused on the scene side. I could see that. She's yep. pretty. She's pretty famous for the. You've probably seen on TikTok the. Then she's got the gun. She's like, boop, 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 boop. That was a terrible version of that song. <laughs> it's all good. But like, yeah, that's my pitch. A heist movie with supervillains, Warner Brothers. My no. DMs are open. I'd be okay with that because I want some randos that would just be only okay for this kind of stuff. Like, I badly want to see them take another crack at a female version of Copperhead like they did in Arkham Origins. And like that some be, random stuff like that. That would mm. be fucking cool. And then like maybe the main villain would be Slade Wilson. I literally talked to Mike about that during a review. I'm like, make it someone street level. Mm -hmm. like, apparently in the concept art in the uh, the way of the gun on HBO Max, you can see in the background as James is pitching the like to the production team, like the first sequence of the movie, you can see concept art of the beach. And originally, De uh, originally Deathstroke was going to be like blood sports role. like that huh. i'm a little happy that they didn't though because i know everybody would be complaining they would but part of me also at some point wants to see ravager in a suicide squad film so i wouldn't mind deathstroke being properly in the dc at some point fucking you know who i would put in in my suicide squad i know the one i would put in i'm really pulling from shit here 
I would put the great white shark. Hmm. Oh, the weird pale face dude with the shark teeth? Yes. Like, <laughs> that would be the one that I would make kind of the de facto, like, kind of leader of the group in that, oh, yeah, I know how to get in there. Like, trust me, I know this high society stuff. I I ran this shit before they threw me in Arkham. And then before they threw me into Bell Reeve. Look, I, I know how to get the fuck in there. I know the right, like, ways to schmooze with everybody. And then because he's been so out of date with everything, and on top of that, because of how weird he looks, he would get killed in a back alley. Oh, no, I could be okay with that. And then they would throw him in, 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 a, in, in a fucking lake. And then that would be like the thing, like, oh, what, like Amanda would be in the intercom uh, team. What happened with, with the white shoot with a white shark? Oh, he's swimming with the fishes now. That's like in the Punisher after John Travolta throws his wife in front of the oncoming monorail. What happened? Mom had to catch a train. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. But no, like I want, that's what, what they make more Suicide Squad films. I want it to be like one or two known people, and then the rest are just like what this was—a bunch of people you could not care less about, like Electrocutioner for crying out loud. <laughs> like this film made me, just like how Loki made me really excited for the future of Marvel. The Suicide Squad makes me excited for the future of DC because now it just feels like they learned their lessons to an extent from trying to copy Marvel and also trying to stick to only one person's vision for the whole universe. And in my opinion, DC's been dropping banger after banger. Like I'm on record saying I love Aquaman. I love Wonder Woman 84. Shazam is amazing. And Joker, I'm one of the few people that does like it, but I can understand why people I don't. Same. So like now they're leaning more into director driven freedom. And I swear to God, WB, I swear to fucking God, if you fuck up my boy Jaime Reyes, I'm probably still going to watch your movies. <laughs> but I'm going to complain about it on Twitter. I, I will it. complain about it. I will run for governor. For, 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 for 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 <laughs> no, I will secede Texas and I will declare war against WB. <laughs> no it has seemed after they were like you know what we're just gonna make we're gonna turn kind of weirdly back into the mid 90s and early 2000s where we just made movies because we wanted to make movies they weirdly went in the opposite direction and somehow became better yeah, maybe, maybe maybe one day they will go back to like a more you know, you know, a more consistent shared universe. But for now, I'm really liking the more throw shit at the wall and see what sticks method. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you could still randomly throw people in other stuff. Just don't be like, this happened exactly 24 days after this one and two months before this one. Just be like, oh, randomly whoever showed up in this movie. Because really, because really, that's, that's how a comics shared universe yeah. works. Like, yeah. Like they all like we we all understand that they all take place in the same universe, but it's not it's not like if you don't read uh, Green Lantern seventy nine, you're you're not gonna understand Batman sixty four. Yeah, and it gets yeah. to a point of stupidity yeah. to where 
But one of my biggest complaints is every now and then are people are like, no one showed up in this movie. I'm like, you have to understand, comics don't work for Marvel if you have something happen in New York. Every fucking Marvel hero is based in New York. If there's a carjacker, he is going to be screwed up seven ways from Sunday from 38 different people within the first two blocks. And then, so if they just have random people show up, it works. I, I mean, literally pulling from that, like I said, Blue Beetle, literally, I have all of Hymas stories pre, like after Infinite Crisis, which is a big thing in, in the Marvel universe, or no, in the, in the DC universe, but like, you don't need to buy Infinite Crisis to know completely what happens here because the way Keith Geffen and John Rogers worked it, it's just like, look, you don't need that. It's just a nice added bonus. But they even go through it in their own version in the comics. So that way it's like, hey, you're not lost. The character was gone for a year. Here's what happened. This is Jaime explaining it the way that he went through it. It's not about to say, oh, so hold on. We got to play fucking... All of Infinite Crisis at this point. It's like, no. <laughs> Ninja Turtles! I will complain about that all day. <laughs> Don't worry, they'll just reboot it in another year because people are lost. <laughs> I mean, the comics. What? Oh, the comics are just a total... That's another... That's a topic for another day. Yeah. In in conclusion, for me, I made this post like after watching it the first time. But Suicide Squad is one of the top four comic book movies for me. For me, like in no particular order, it's I think I put the '90s Ninja Turtles movie, The Adventures of Tintin, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Suicide Squad. That's my personal aesthetic for comic book movies that I absolutely adore. And you can pull, well, Tintin's not really a comic book movie. No, it is. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. It's 100%. And it's James Gunn's world. And that can be a lot for people. It can also be a lot for people in a good way or in a bad way. And for me, it just it hit all the right notes. And by the end, I didn't cry, but I still got choked up every time I hear Taika's line where he says, you you know, she she asks in the flashback, like, why rats, papa? And Taika says, you know, because rats are the most dis uh, vile and uh, uh, disgraced creatures, my love. If they have purpose, so do we all. Mm -hmm. And looking at it from the outside with James Gunn's whole thing that happened with him when he was, when he was like the, the controversial figure back in 2018... I can't help but look at it from that lens as him coming to terms with his past as well as everything that he had to deal with and in a sense finding love. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, that message, it just hits me in all the right moments and just I get really teary-eyed when I think about it because it shows that Gunn at his core does believe that people can change for the better. And you have to want to change. And I think that's why, for me, the emotional beats hit. Especially the very end where Bloodsport pets the rat. And it's not as emotional that. as Guardians Volume 2. But I think the, the ideas that he presents 
it's some of his most optimistic that he's ever tried to do. Even if I do think like it could have been more emotional, but it's that notch that makes it probably one of my personal favorite comic book movies and my favorite DC movie. Nice. Um, so Haley, after this, after this podcast, um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think you're, I doubt you're going to see this a second time, but have, have you at least been nudged in, in, in the other direction than we're, than when we started? No, but I really enjoyed hearing this conversation. I really enjoyed hearing all the things that people loved about it. And I, I said it earlier, and the more I think about it, the more it's true. I think if I found this movie funny, I would have been able to paper over a lot of the things that I'm writing about it. So to, to people listening, you know, I think you'll know if this movie is on your humor wavelength in the first 15 minutes. And if it's not, okay. just kind of bounce out. It's not going to be yeah. for you. But if it is, you're probably not going to hold much stake in the criticisms I had because if that if this thing if this kind of atmosphere humor works for you, this is the best made representation of something like this. Fair enough. Yeah. I I, I said this both on the zero hour review and my letterbox review that the gate the gauge for how much you're going to like this movie is um in my opinion, which which of the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies you prefer? I I imagine if you lean more towards Volume Two, then you will probably love this movie. But if you're more if you're more a Guardians One person, this might be a bit too much gun. Um, but since I lean more towards Volume Two, I had an absolute blast with this one. And Brock, your final thoughts? I, it, it's in the, the tops for me. I rotate with these quite a bit, but it's like number one. And it's not, I think it would be, honestly, if I'm going to throw this out, is Deadpool 1, Endgame. This is going to get really choppy here, but Batman Begins. Okay. Oh, see that. Correct, correct choice. <laughs> your opinion's about to change. <laughs> Batman Forever. No, no I'll, oh, I'll that one. <laughs> I, I, I'll take it, but <laughs> that to me is when the movie knew it was campy and ran with it, and then mm-hmm. it fell off the fucking tracks with Batman and Robin, and then this. But to me, Batman Begins, and me and Mike agree with this. Batman Begins is a great Batman movie. Bat, the dark then it switches to Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, which are Christopher Nolan movies that happen to have Batman in them. Yep. <laughs> but, Agreed. Yeah, and then yeah, it hits to that. But yeah, I, the, I really the Dark Knight is a better adaptation of the Long Halloween. There you go. That but, I will give it. But yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, it, it hit like, and I'll agree with uh, Haley one hundred percent on that. It's you, if you do not like certain humors this movie is not going to hit with you 100 100 you're going to hate it within minutes like you said within the first parts like i said if you're not laughing 
at like TDK getting his arm shot, you're not going to like the rest of this movie because that is the gauge of the type of humor that's in it. You're just, you're not going to have a good time. I'm straight up just not having a good time. That's pretty much what it is, but <laughs> I I did enjoy it. And it's, um it brings up a thing to where how much freedom directors should have and the people are going to have different opinions on that. And I think that is a case by case basis. I'm just happy that the film got made because I think it was very, um, what I want to say, liberating for James to get to make this compared to the time, a period in his life of what this was. And this really felt like he was just getting out what he really wanted to make. And it gets me excited to see how much gun we get in the third Guardians movie. And the and the holiday special. And the holiday special, because if you're going to get the peak version of PG-13 gun in the third Guardians, which I don't think gun's going to make a better movie, is a better Marvel movie than Volume 2, because Volume 2 is right below Suicide Squad for me for a lot of personal reasons. That is just one of my favorite films of all time. You're going to have different mileage on how you feel with freedom but i'm interested to see and i've said this before i kind of want to see not just because of blood and whatever what characters he would have threw in guardians if he would have got to be able to have an r rating Ooh, that's that's a good question yeah but yeah. um but more on that another day for now i i do want to ask uh i know this is a this is a rough transition for you but crystal final thoughts oh yeah um <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just that it's sad. there's there's a bit of a domestic dispute happening in, in an apartment complex right now. Right oh no! Next. <laughs> so we've, we've been I'm hearing sorry. screaming for a little while. That no, it's sucks. okay. Oh, I just wanted That's to make sure like nobody was dying. <laughs> That's why I stepped away for a second. But um, anyway, movie, yeah, uh, good, uh, really good. Actually, I was. <sighs> I'm kind of in between between um, Guardians 1 and 2. I lean a little bit more towards 2, but only slightly. And that's really just because I cry every single time I watch it. Same. <laughs> Seriously, yep. I, every single time I watch it, I cry. Yep. So... I really do enjoy uh, James Gun uh, uh, Gunn's work. Mm. Yeah, of course. In comparison, in comparison to the first one, it's 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 it does loops in the IKEA parking. <laughs> it does loops <laughs> in the IKEA parking lot, so it's great. But I do have a lot of complaints about it. I feel like it could have been worked out a little bit better but at the same time it's it's just fun it's just a lot of fun i love it i love all the characters um i love the way that the characters play off of each other is it, it was just a fun time like all the complaints i have about it really don't um really don't take front stage except for one line that Ratcatcher has that always puts me off every time I hear it. Um, it, it it's, it's when they're, they're give, like uh, Viola Davis is giving giving the, the briefing, briefing and Radcatcher's like, excuse me, what is that? And she points to an Elmo. I'm like, 
Hmm. All right, James. Okay, Gunn, look, I get it. You don't like young people. Okay, so <laughs> initially, the first reading I had of that was that she was poor and that she had never really seen anything that kind of like, like any of that kind of technology. So, like, of course, like it would be a little confusing. But this time, the reading I got of it, like the third time, was like she's pointing out how stupid it is that she knows it's an overhead projector. Why do you have an overhead projector in a room where you're already using another overhead projector? Yes. And it's and it's perfectly put up when she's like, do you ever use it? No, not really. So why don't you just throw it away? Okay, Peacemaker, what do you want to say? Like, what is that? I, like so to you, point out the stupidity of having two overhead projectors. But she doesn't have two overhead projectors. Yes, she does. Crystal. Well, what? Okay, I'm confused now. But the, what the hell do you think she was materializing the Corto Maltese briefing no, with her fucking mind? With a, a projector, where was it? I don't remember. Overhead? <laughs> no, but that's not what that, she's talking about. The elbow, not the overhead. Like, like you're it. using a projector. Oh my god! So like, why would you have two projectors if you're already using one? Exactly. This is okay, worse okay, than okay. the fucking. No, no, don't thing. you dare! No, because out of this hell. chair and left the room. What the? <laughs> left <laughs> the room when you said yours. So don't even try to compare it. No, okay? no, I at least didn't know she was using a projector. <laughs> Okay. What did you think she was using? I thought she was using the projector of no. mind. Is that her superpower? No, I thought she was using brother eye. Like not an elbow like this. Oh like my the, god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Today I learned that's called an elbow. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know that either until yeah, today. I didn't, I, didn't I, didn't, I didn't know. At first, I was like, I missed a scene where she asked where Elmo doll was, like the Muppet. And I was like, oh, right, the the overhead. Brock, please leave all of that in. <laughs> I will. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm not trying to make. I'm not trying to make fun of you. I truly was like, oh, oh, I didn't realize that had a different name. That's cool. I didn't either. Yeah. I used those yeah. all through school. I had no idea. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> the whole like even uh, Peacemaker says like a millennials when because when she's because she's douchebag. But that's the whole point. They're pointing out that she's young. That that's the point of that scene, and also to point out that Peacemaker's a dick. But. <laughs> Then they have, right after that, they have the scene where she's like, what's that? I'm like, because again, it's like you have two TVs in the thing. It's like, what's that? Oh, that's a TV. Do you use it? No, not really. I use the bigger one. So get rid of it. No, that's, but. Uh, never mind. Crystal, never mind. I think you're projecting never... a bias here. Projecting. <laughs> I'll read it about <laughs> We need to be transparent about this situation. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. I, I may be reading too much into it. Thanks, Josh, for fucking gaslighting me into it. Whatever, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> we need to have a couples podcast. <laughs> I understand we don't have a lot of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Get Jacob and his girlfriend, me and Crystal. We'll fucking duke it out. We're gonna play the newlywed game, is what we're gonna do. And I, oh god, no. oh boy, <laughs> that'll be all fun. the questions are gonna be about heroin injection and overhead projectors. 
and the proper techniques of tattooing. Yes, yes. <laughs> For the last fucking time. <laughs> He's had a fucking conniption over had it. a heart attack. I didn't notice the fucking needle the first time. See, this is I'm just, I'm just no, joking no, because no, it's no. truly I, very I, funny, I, and I truly think that I at least picked up that he died. I wasn't saying, <laughs> oh man, is the flashback happening outside really? You thought that the needle was an, like an, like a tattoo needle. A tattoo gun. <laughs> no, I, no, I truly was trying to tattoo on his arm in that shot. I was like, oh, he's touching it up. We do have to wrap this up, but I also want to keep this going. They're criminals, they're underground. Have you seen fucking people in prison? They're like, oh yeah, I'll dip the needle. That's how you do it in prison, bitch. You don't do your See, I didn't pay attention to that. The point being, I at least picked up he was using a needle. Okay, I wasn't like, oh man, how is this happening? No, no, I never said that I thought Viola Davis was You using... literally said, no, how, no. I asked you how it was being projected, and you were like, I don't you know. Didn't... All right, guys, guys. <laughs> it was that. Oh my god. Okay. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. God damn it. You're sleeping on the couch tonight. No, whatever. You're sleeping on the couch tonight. I'm gonna die. <laughs> so before this gets too off the rails, um Haley, where can everyone find you online? Nowhere. I'm still a void. Please talk to me in the Facebook group. I love you all. <laughs> Josh, where can everyone find you online? You yell at me, Chris. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at JSH Lozano, where apparently you can catch up on all my white escapades. And you can, <laughs> and you can also catch me like just chatting it up and surprisingly getting a lot of likes late recently. You can go to my YouTube channel, Joshboy64. <clears throat> I just uploaded a long gestating video about the life and career of Kevin Smith. It's probably one of the best things I've made, and I'm gonna do my best to top it on August 20th with a special thing that we're gonna do for the site way later. You're gonna see real soon. You can find me on Instagram at Joshua Lozano. I'm actually starting to post like personal journals and uh, stuff from when I was in production of my Stephen King short film date, uh, Rest Stop. So you can check that out. There's some interesting stuff there, but morning, it will get very intimate real soon with my with my diary entries of like the days I was shooting, like El Mariachi, Rebel Without a Crew thing. And you can find me on Facebook at Joshua Lozano on the Renegade Pop Culture Group. I rarely post on there, but I'm starting to get back into Facebook because it's less toxic than Mark Zucker or than fucking Twitter. <laughs> Very true. Toxic Zuckerberg. Fucking so. got me all scrambled up, Crystal. I don't like the. You go. I don't like the fact that you use the word gestating for the Kevin Smith. Oh my god! Video. Oh my god! Crystal, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> under simply underscore ragu eight sixteen, where I regularly roast Josh, my white boyfriend. Um, <laughs> sorry, my white fiance, and um, you can also find me on Instagram. I can't believe I've never plugged my Instagram on on the <coughs> on the podcast. I just forgot it existed. Uh, under 
triforce dot the dot what hold on triforce of <laughs> you've got me scrambled up now josh triforce dot of dot courage dot bh <laughs> with the a <laughs> it's an old instagram okay? <sighs> and you can also find me on tiktok under the same <laughs> under uh, simply underscore regulate 16 um and also the uh, renegade pop culture facebook group under my name crystal gillum and that's about it and real quick i just found my instagram handle it's joshua lozano 64. brock where could everyone find you <laughs> it's okay you can find me attempting to dry my tears <laughs> you too uh at, literally everywhere at organoid zero i've got it pretty much capped on all platforms even on instagram which i really don't use but um i'm back to streaming again regularly me and mike do uh zero hour movie reviews pretty regularly now on there and we now have our fresh takes of um evangelion going on there where um a boy i've been editing that lately and the third one was still pretty positive so we have not gotten into the slow slight descent into madness of cameron as the days go along oh <laughs> so, um, yeah so yeah um you want to go catch on to that and me and mike actually have a new thing coming up that i don't know if he wants to mention but we'll see we have another show starting that's on the opposite side of the tracks what we've been talking about so yeah that's where you can find me and you guys can find me on twitter at captain k42 my letterbox uh, letterbox.com slash coach k42 and you can find me in all the various facebook groups just at my name you can check out renegade pop culture on facebook and twitter at ren pop culture you can find us on Podchaser. listen to all of our podcasts on anchor spotify apple podcasts wherever you listen and last but not least, anything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. Need to escape? So do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Capes. We will catch you guys later. Peace out. Bye-bye.